This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com or also on the radio show Limited's RS1. Another big show coming your way today. We catch up with Marcus Ambrose and talk about his inclusion into the Supercars E-Series for round four of racing at Watkins Glen and also the circuit Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal. But first, the news of the week. And the BP Supercars All-Star E-Series returns this week with round four of the championship and some big names have been included into the lineup. Two-time supercar champion and multiple winner at Watkins Glen, Marcus Ambrose, will be joined by Indy 500 winner Alexander Rossi, NASCAR champ Joey Logano, and Dunlop Super 2 Series rookie Angelo Mazuris as the four wildcard entries for this week's racing. Ambrose explaining his setup for his supercar's e-racing debut. It's come a long way. There's two ways to go about it. Um, you can you can try to compete um, to win races online. And you don't need the motion. You're basically changing your, your mindset to say, well, I just want to go and win those races online and you buy a good wheel and a good set of pedals and, and a good seat position and a good computer screen or maybe even triples. And you can go out there and, and go, go race out and try and win. Uh, the path I've gone down is to try and make it as realistic as possible, not necessarily the fastest way, um, because when you start adding motion, you start adding complexity to the machine and also to, to the feedback coming back mm-hmm. to the driver. So... Uh, the rig I've built is not necessarily the fastest rig, but it certainly crashes the best. Our interview with Marcus coming up shortly. Joey Logano, just happy to be involved. Hey guys, it's NASCAR champ Joey Logano, and I will be racing a supercar on iRacing uh, w- with all the pros over there in Australia. So this is going to be a lot of fun. We'll be racing at Watkins Glen. So they're coming over to Pond to, to come see us at Watkins Glen in, in Montreal virtually. And it'll be a lot of fun. It's just going to be a a neat thing. And, you know, this pandemic obviously is a, you know, a real pain in the butt for all of us. But if there is a positive to it is that we get to compete against people that are across the world. Um, You know, and that's just a a neat opportunity for us. I got my Team Penske teammates out there. um, And that's going to be interesting to see if I could keep up with them because they're pretty good in these cars. So, um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and, and make sure you tune in. We'll see you guys. Joey Logano on supercars.com there. The format for round four will see our four races over the evening with qualifiers setting the grid for races 11 and 13. Races 12 and 14 of the series will be run as reverse grid races. Each race will require a compulsory pit stop where drivers will have to take four tyres. No additional fuel is required. Racing for the IndyCar iRacing Challenge continued with Englishman and McLaren F1 driver Lando Norris taking a thrilling win at the Circuit of the Americas. Norris overcame a spin on his first on the first of his two pit stops to fly through the field and take the lead on lap 29 of the 32-lap race when leader Felix Rosenquist spun. Norris happy with that result. Yeah, it was not easy at all, um, <laughs> which was, uh, yeah, all down to myself and obviously the spin um, in, in the second stint. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, was a tough race, especially with Pato closing down with the new tyres um, at the end. Um, I didn't think I was going to get back to, to the lead, so I was kind of gutted, but um, I uh, got the, um, the good old call from my engineer on the, um, on the, the team radio to tell me to keep pushing. And um, and I did, and then Will spun. I don't know what happened to Will, but uh, he was, that was the key, basically, Will spinning uh, to allow me to, to get back to, to P1. Meanwhile, Wilkinshaw and Dreddy United supercar driver Chaz Mostert was a part of the race. He finished 20th. Scott McLaughlin continuing his great run in the series, finishing in fourth place. Eight drivers copped points penalties from the stewards after a hectic fourth round of the ARG eSport Cup at Monza last Thursday. Harley Haber still leads the series, round five being run this Thursday night at the Catalonia Circuit in Barcelona. And to finish off, F1 boss Chase Carey has stated that it's their intention to start racing behind closed doors at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. Racing will be run between July and December this year and the hope is to run races in Europe, Asia, Eurasia and the Middle East, which covers the charter's need to run on three continents for the World Championship. Meanwhile, the French Grand Prix, which was to run on June 28, has been officially cancelled. That's all the news for this week. Let's get straight into the show. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. 
As we welcome Dale Rogers from theracetalk.com onto the program. G'day, Dale. How are you? Tony, great. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic. Thank you, mate. And we also welcome in a man who was the king of the road course during his NASCAR career over in the States. We also find him back in supercars after being a two-time champion back in the early 2000s. We say a very good afternoon or a very good day to Marcus Ambrose. How are you, Marcus? Oh, very good. Thanks, guys. Uh, great to be on your show. I'm... It kind of half feels like I'm coming out of retirement for a computer game. Oh, yeah, and that's fantastic. It's great news for us. Uh, it was something that we thought was always possible, that there was always going to be a Marcus Ambrose come to us on these uh, NASCAR tracks. Did you need much convincing to uh, jump in the sim and take on the big boys? Oh, look, this has all come at very short notice. Um, I think we've all got a bit of the, the COVID crazies going on. And uh, Steve Dutton from Pertech uh, gave me a call. He said, hey, you know, we're 40 years in business and um, how about we do one of these online races together? I said, oh, that sounds really good. Uh, that was about four days ago. <laughs> so literally this, is, uh, this has come together really quick. I, I've been a, a hobby enthusiast in the uh, iRacing and, uh, and online racing hardware side of things, to be honest. I build, um, I've built a few rigs over the last couple of years, different, different combinations of motion combined with the, um, you know, with, with the, with the iRacing platform, that the software that goes with it. And so Steve knew about that and he said, hey, you know, how about we, we go do a race? And so that's literally how it all started. Um, so we got the green light basically on Friday and I had to clean a room out and build a build a sim rig in time for it and um, had a practice today and ready to go. Marcus, it's Dale. We, um, it was fascinating looking back at your association with iRacing because it, it goes right back to May 2009 when you actually were an ambassador for them and... Uh, one of the very first people they had on their books as a promoter of the series. So it's a long relationship you've had with this uh, this, this uh, esport, isn't it? Yeah, look, it really is. And, and the online racing, let's just wind it back for you, viewers, just a little bit about what it is. If, if you want to imitate a sport uh, on a computer game or in a, in a simulation, especially now with um, you know with the ability to do VR, which is a virtual reality headset. Uh, nothing comes better than, than being strapped into a race car because you can actually um, copy everything that the driver can do um, locked in a, in, a, in a static position. There's no point trying to imitate a game of football because you'd need a, a room as big as the MCG to, to try and get it all in. But as a race car driver, you're locked in one position. So when you do flight sims or, or racing sims or helicopter sims, because the pilot or the driver um, you know, is locked in one position, um, it's the perfect um, sport to try and imitate in a virtual space. And so when iRacing started, uh, John Henry is behind it. He's, um, he owns the Boston Red Sox. He's a, a part-time racer, I believe, uh, back in the day, hedge fund manager. And he, uh, he wanted to, to do something in this space. And he's spent a lot of money and committed a lot of people um, to it. And he's built the most amazing software. You, you can't believe how far it's come, even since 2009. So... I've sort of seen the journey of what iRacing is and, and, and where it's gone and where it's going to go. And I think this whole COVID crisis has really launched online racing into a, into a new place. All of a sudden, the stigma of racing online is gone for guys who race professionally. And people who weren't really exposed to what online racing was have now seen it through Fox Sports and, and news articles and press releases and things like that. And they're starting to engage. And, um, you know, it's quite amazing to see how fast this thing has, has really got going and how good it is and how good it's going to get. Technology has not finished this story. It's going to keep getting better and better. Marcus, we talk to a lot of drivers about the uh, the feeling that they get as a driver in uh, a racing sim. And, and the majority of them say that it's just about as good as you can get, apart from probably the feel of the braking and the feel of motion. You've sort of defeated that to an extent. To the you have a, a motion rig set up. Does that give you nearly the full complement of sensation from normal driving to i racing driving? Yeah, look, it's it's come a long way. There's two ways to go about it. Um, you can you can try to compete um, to win races online, and you don't need the motion. You're basically changing your, your mindset to say, well, I just want to go and win those races online, and you buy a good wheel and a good set of pedals and and a good seat position and a good computer screen or maybe even triple, and you can go out there and, and go, go race out and try and win. Uh, the path I've gone down is to try and make it as realistic as possible, not necessarily the fastest way, um, because when you start adding motion, you start adding complexity to the machine and also to, to the feedback coming back mm -hmm. to the driver. So 
Uh, the rig I've built is not necessarily the fastest rig, but it certainly crashes the best. It gives you a great sensation when you hit the fence. And, uh, and that's what I was really going for. I was going for, hey, I want to put my mates in here on a Friday night, um, you know, and take them to Daytona or take them to the Chili Bowl or take them to Mount Panorama, um, you know, and have, have a blast. And this is as close to the real thing as I can build and, and I can get. Now, as far as the realism goes, in my rig, I reckon it's 80% there. Um, the sensation, especially with the VR headsets and so forth, where you, you wear the goggles and, and when you move your head, you're moving your head inside the car. So you can basically look you know, to the left and right, up and down. And, uh, and it really gives you a, an amazing immersion. And when you combine that with, with the trickery of, of a motion rig, um, it really feels like you're, you're in a race car. It's quite amazing. Uh, they've got you back at two tracks, Marcus, that you've uh, you had some, some fantastic races and success at. Uh, both in Nationwide and Cup, um, at uh, Montreal and also at the Glen. The Glen, particularly, you've had some amazing success at with uh, in the Nationwide and, of course, the two wins in the in the Cup. But also at Montreal, um, a bit of fun and games with uh, our old mate uh, Robbie Gordon. Uh, so the two tracks that you probably know from a pure race driver better than anyone else in Australia. So um, target on your back, I guess. Oh, look, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it certainly brought back a lot of memories, these two racetracks that we're going to tomorrow night. Uh, and and I, I wouldn't say I'm going to carry the form across, to be honest. Um, I had a practice today with the guys online, and they've clearly done a lot of practice. <laughs> these guys are they're really fast, and I'm certainly not. So I don't think I'm going to go out there and win these races, but certainly just fun to be part of it and, and, and to participate in, in this uh, this online series that... Um, that VO Supercars has put on. It's just going to be a lot of fun to, to just be part of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't hold any form going into these races. I don't think, um, you know, the real-life experience crosses over into how I'm going to go tomorrow night. But uh, I, I could have waited till the ovals and maybe I would have run better because um, some of these Aussie guys, you know, obviously don't know um, how to run the ovals or, or work on their time management as well. But, um, you know, I've just decided, to, or it was decided for me, really, to, to run this week. And so that's what we're going to do. Interesting format, though, uh, for both uh, events. You've got a, a qualifying race of 10 laps, then a reverse grid, and then at Watkins Glen, a 14-lap uh, race uh, and, then a, and a reverse grid. So regardless of where you are, we could be seeing the Pertec car uh, in the mix somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah but maybe, maybe. I mean, it, I'll probably be in the middle of both races. Um, that, that'd be nice, you know, so you just right in the middle. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I think Rick Kelly, um, you know, he's had a pretty tough run of it so far. He might he might be on pole for that second race. Who knows? But um, we'll just take it as it comes tomorrow night and just have a bit of fun with it. Um, I've not really raced um, online seriously before. So this will be my, my first go at doing something um, on a more serious basis. So um, I just really want to stay out of the way and and uh, make sure I don't um, take out any front runners if, if I get myself in that position. Marcus, to the old saying, uh, like riding a bike, come back for you. When you hit these tracks, did the, the brake markers and all that sort of stuff just come flooding back? Yeah, it really does. And um, that's, it's like riding a bike. When you've raced a car, you can go back to any track and, and you pretty much know what you've got to do straight away. Um, but the nuances of the computer game, which is what it is, it is actually, it's a simulation, but it still is a computer game. And they've done an incredible job. But there are nuances that you've got to learn inside that software to get the most out of your car and tyres and everything else, which don't quite equate to, to the real-life game. So um, that, that's all I'd say on that. It's, it's amazing how far it's come. Um, it really is uh, close to, to the real thing. And certainly, I think the drivers um, you know, get focused and they get the same thrill out of winning online as what they do in real life. Um, but it's not real life. It is a simulation. Got, everyone's got to sort of keep that in mind. Now, we hear, mate, that uh, down in Launceston, there could be a new generation of Ambrose Devil Racer. Is that, uh, is that <laughs> public yet? Is, uh, yeah. Uh, look, no, no, having daughter, a stab at the karting? Yeah, my daughter, she's 14, and she's just um, got a need for speed, and we bought her a go-kart. We're gonna, we were going to race her across the winter, but uh, COVID has sort of um, slowed those plans down a little bit. You can't even get to a go-kart track. Can you believe that? Yeah. Um, they, won't, they won't open the gate. So we've just got to wait now and, and be patient and... She's done uh, quite a bit of practice and she's going great and we'll, we'll have a bit of fun with her and no pressure, of course, just, just let her enjoy it and see where it goes for her. Just do a Paul Morris, mate, and build one in the backyard. Well, I could do, but Mick Dillon's got one as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, might, might be a bit rougher. It might be a dirt track. 
as a uh, as an ex racer yourself, Marcus, is this sort of something that you're absolutely ecstatic about that you've got a child that wants to be a motor racer, or is it something that you were dreading? Oh no, not at all. I mean, it's um, you know, um, uh, you know, kids are little people and they make their own decisions and go their own path. So there's no certainly no no pressure from me or no excitement from me that um, you know, she's just shown an interest and I'm fortunate enough to be able to um, you know, to give her the chance to to buy a go-kart and go out there and have a go. We'll just see. She might decide after a couple of races it's not for her and that'll be great if it's not. If she wants to carry on with it, we'll keep going. So uh, it's it's fun. I mean, it's fun to reconnect with go-karts, I guess, a little bit. That's where I sort of started the whole deal from. Uh, but uh, no, it's just we'll just take it every day as it comes. And if she's enjoying it, we'll keep going. If she's not, we'll stop. Well, mate, it's great to have a chat with you again. Uh, some fantastic years we've spent <laughs> together doing various things. So it's fantastic to see you back in the Pertec colours uh, in this E-Series. And, and the I think we've all been blown away by the quality of what we've seen on their TV screens because we're all a bit unwashed in all this. And uh, it's just been extraordinary TV. And, and it's really resonated with the fan base. So it's, uh, it's fan- really fantastic to have you back involved, mate, and great to be able to speak to you. Oh, thanks, Daz. I mean, we go... We- Go back right to the very beginning, don't we? Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. And, and so we've got a lot of heritage together. And uh, as, as you get older, and I'm certainly getting older now, that um, it's just nice to sort of um, keep these relationships alive, mate. And, um, you know, you're doing great work in the space. And and uh, we might, maybe we'll get you online racing with us. How about that? <laughs> I'll give it a no, crack. That'll, that'll be scary. <laughs> uh, just before we let you go, Marcus, just on the Pertec situation, 40 years as a company, you're wearing the number 40 tomorrow when you're driving it's an amazing existence uh in australia and their association with australian motorsport has also been uh yeah look in sport full stop well just in australia full stop i mean they they started the brand from nothing uh the dutton um sorry um the the pertec family uh the duncans uh were behind it and uh they've built it up to what it is today it's an international business uh and they've um they've thrived in australia they've got a solid business they employ people um, they add to the GDP and the economy. Uh, you know, it's a great success story, and and I'm just lucky to have um, have driven for them and 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 to know the the team behind it. Uh, it's just a good news story all around. And 40 years in business is not easy, um, especially in today's environment. And uh, you know, they're still growing, they're still still getting bigger, still making fantastic product and great service. So um, yeah, just a great story. And to have the number 40 on the side for them, it's great. I think um, it's carried a had a bit of momentum now. I think um, uh, some of the IndyCar guys are going to run a, a number 40 purchase car in the States on an online race, I think, later this week. So, um, yeah, re- really good. It's really good to see a, a company like Pertec um, survive and thrive. And it's a beautiful-looking race car, the 2003-2004 yeah. um, Pertec Ford Falcon. Just, um, yeah. you know, sort of an iconic car. It was just a great design. And, and the, the colours of the company and, and, the, um, and the enthusiasm of the company really sort of uh, showed in, in its colour scheme on the car and also to our success. So um, it was just, it's really involved with them and still call them friends and, and still help them out from time to time. And I believe, Marcus, that Ross and Jimmy are rebuilding the car. It's uh, one of Ross's I big believe, projects. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe they are. And that's great if they do because it's, um, you know, it's a beautiful car and it's got a great heritage. I'm not a car collector per se. So, um, you know, uh, but I, I know, I certainly appreciate that car. Um, yeah, for what it yeah. was for Australian motorsport and um, you know that it's going to get um, brought back to its original glory I think it's a fantastic thing. Yeah. Of Watkins Glen and Montreal Marcus which track are you going to go better at tomorrow? Uh, I'll, I'll just roll the dice mate it might be the reverse grid in both of them how about that maybe yes. I'll make a call for that. We'll, uh, we'll keep I, an eye out. I, I know I do know Montreal it's very technical it's got a lot of big braking zones and big curbs um, you know you've got to be very precise around there uh, whereas Watkins Glen's a bit more flowing, so uh, maybe maybe Watkins will be better for me. Well, fingers crossed, mate. Thanks so much for your time, Marcus. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy the run with the big boys tomorrow, and uh, who knows, we might even see you down the track on an oval. You just never know. Okay. Never know. Th- thanks, guys. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks, Marcus. Marcus Ambrose joining us here yeah. on The Grid. That word, because you know You can't touch this. You can't touch this. All right, Dale, let's continue on and bring into the conversation as well. Also from the racetalk.com, Richard Crowell. Hello, Crowsey. Hey, Shebex. Hey, Dale. Nice, uh, nice to be on the show. I'm, I'm a bit jealous. You, you guys got the big, the big scoop with Marcus Ambrose. That's excellent. 
Yeah, it was fantastic to have Marcus on, Dale. He was uh, pretty open about why he's doing it and uh, and what he expects out of it. Yeah, it was really interesting, wasn't it, Tony? That he, he's been involved with uh, with iRacing since 2009. So, in fact, uh, he was actually their first ambassador, from what I can gather, in, uh, when he was over there, and he was using it very much to learn the circuits uh, in the US. But yeah, really interesting. And, he, and as always, Marcus, he's always tinkering with something. So rather than getting the screen and uh, you know a big unit delivered to the house, he built the whole bloody thing himself. And that's you know that's the way he rolls. It's fantastic. Re- really interesting stuff. I uh, I'm really enthusiastic about him joining in. I think he's a great wild card, and and in the same way that we saw the Max Verstappen impact internationally, I, I reckon Marcus has still got enough brand cred here, boys, to have a bit of a spike. So this has been talked about for a week now, and hopefully the the next this next round we'll see another spike because Marcus will bring that attention and that fan base that he's still got both from his time here, but also in America. And it, it just ties in perfectly uh, with these rounds coming up at Watkins Glen and at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve that, um, that he'll be driving there, which are two tracks he raced in a NASCAR. So he's sort of got a bit of a leg up on the competition because he knows which way they go. And he's raced something sort of approximating a supercar there, which is fantastic. So oh, I'm really excited. I think it's a great ad. He's, he's still one of the big names, isn't he, boys, in our sport of the yeah. last... 15 years in or 20 years in Australian touring car racing. Yeah, he certainly has. And uh, there's still a mystique about Marcus Ambrose and he's leaving supercars when it, when it all happened and, and how that sort of time in motor racing just came to an absolute sudden stop. I don't think anyone expected that to be the case. And I think people still have their own theories as to why it happened, whether those series are right or wrong. I suppose Marcus, and his team are probably the only people that really know. Yeah, I, I, um, I was part of the uh, Marcus's comeback to Australia and uh, we, we lived in each other's pockets pretty well from the time he raced at Lakeside or did the, the practice day at Lakeside right through till uh, actually at the end of 2015. And uh, yeah, it was a great year. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of, obviously a lot of things happened behind the scenes, but um, he uh, he really made some decisions, and, and I think people underestimate the influence he had on uh, on the formation of DJR Team Penske, um, of Roger's involvement in Australia. Uh, probably wouldn't happen without him. Uh, a lot of people will debate that, but I can assure you he was a key part of the triangle. And to his credit, he um, he attended every race meeting in 2015, uh, went to every uh, signing session, uh, did every every uh, co-driver session, and then raced pretty well in the Enduro Cup. So. Uh, yeah, really interesting story. Uh, but but can I just touch on Tony? We, we we spoke to him a little bit about his results at uh, at uh, Montreal and Watkins Glen, and they really are quite staggering. He had five starts in the Nationwide Cup at Montreal with three podiums. He had five starts at Watkins Glen in the Nationwide Series for four firsts out of five and won <laughs> seventeen. Wow. Then the Cup Series, he had um, uh, he had two wins two seconds and a third, and only one result off a podium out of his seven starts. So at those two tracks, uh, in, in Nationwide and in, as it was called then, and in the Cup Series, he was absolutely on fire. Well, and he was almost unbeatable at Sonoma, at the old Sears Point as well. A um, couple of near misses there, but but one there in the Cup Series too. So, you know, his road course experience was so good. And it, it did wonders for supercars because it just cast this attention on how badass supercar races are on the road tracks um and and i think it surprised a lot of people over there in that that nascar market um i I, the thing i like in a way about marcus is that he came back from the states and and yes the penske comeback with the supercars thing was a big big story but i like the fact that he just went bush as well and he he doesn't carry a, a media limelight doesn't do social media um, the only time we've heard from him in the last, what, two and a half years, I would have thought was, um, well, didn't he pop up at the Adelaide 500 two years ago yep. with a Mustang launch? Yeah, Mustang um, launch. He drove, the, he, he drove the NASCAR Mustang. That's right. So that's one. But uh, outside of that, he disappears <laughs> off into the Tasmanian wilderness. And I remember chatting to my colleague, our good mate, Greg Rust, fellow podcaster, um, who went to his retreat up there in the highlands in the middle of Tasmania and, and did a story on Marcus and it was literally trekked into this place. And that's what Marcus does now as a, as a 
life as a career with his family. Um, and, and Greg was like, we, like we had to twist his arm to make it happen because he just wasn't interested. So I kind of like it. He's built this sort of mystique around himself in a way that um, he's just not interested in any of the media stuff. Whereas all the other racing car drivers around are still applying their trade and doing commentary or media roles or whatever it might be. So I think in a way that adds to it and it, it adds to the impact when he goes, Oh, do you know what? I'm going to do this E-series round. I just hope boys, the internet in Tasmania is good enough for <laughs> him, him to compete because it's the biggest, still the biggest concern of this whole E-series shindig is that the Australian third world internet isn't good enough to deal with it. I worry about mm. in the middle of nowhere, Tasmania land up at 10,000 feet uh, that he uh, might not have good NBN signal. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Well, Rich, I don't know if you saw uh, on Supercar's Sidetracked, uh, the show they do in the previous show, but they did cross down to him where he's, you know, of course, he's built the sim and everything that he's mm. got and he's got the VR helmet on. But he, uh, he also, while they're doing it, he, he, he had a major crash at uh, one of the super speedways. And the vision of him in this rig, which is a fourth rig crashing, was like, yeah. it was like, so, and it reminded me of the penguin in Batman Returns when he steals the Batmobile and he's in his truck on the thing driving it. And it was, it was, you've just got to see it's hysterical. So that's what he's going to be doing tomorrow night. He's just, he, he's all over it. Good fun. He actually did say that the crashing spectacular. And I think we brought up this question either a week or two weeks ago about who was going to be the first supercar yeah. driver to roll spectacularly. It could be Marcus. It was a Mark Walker question, of course. Yeah. Uh, he would be the only one to ask that. And yeah, maybe, maybe Marcus is the, uh, is the solution there. Do you know, Shebex, it's interesting that 50% of the racetalk.com on the grid team have had a direct working relationship with Marcus Ambrose. That's correct. Because Mark Walker ran his PR for a couple of seasons while Marcus was in NASCAR. So uh, we are, uh, we're in privileged company, I think, Shebexter. I had a uh, direct relationship with him one night over dinner in uh, in Las Vegas. That was about it. Wow. No, well, just a group of people. We uh, well, Shebex, yeah, what happens in Vegas, mate, stays there. You know, we, we go back as far as his Formula Ford days in Europe, and uh, I actually went to, see him, I went to see him race at uh, at a couple of rounds in uh, Europe when he was running all sorts of weird, and wonderful Formula Fords and engineering his own car out of a packing crate at the back of the tent at Croft or at uh, at Donington. It was uh, so yeah. Now we go back a long way. Good luck, great mate. And also, Richard, do you may not know, but uh, which one of his daughters is it? Uh, Dale is it Tabitha. Adelaide or Tabitha? He's uh, just jumped into go-kart racing and uh, obviously that's been put on hold at the moment, but uh, she's really keen. She's got the need for speed, I think uh, Marcus said. So that'll be see- interesting to see wow. how that goes. Well, it's lucky he made plenty of coin racing NASCAR so he can fund that for the next 20 years. <laughs> how, will he, how will he be as an engineer, Dale? Oh, he'll be great. Yeah, yeah he'll, he'll, be a, he'll be a tinkerer. Believe me, he'll be a tinkerer. That, that will have more adjustments every time she comes in than the whole rest of the field. Fantastic to hear. Well, yep, so uh, Mark Ambrose, it was great to have him on board with our program tonight. Boys, let's uh, look back before we look forward and let's go back to Bathurst last week. What an amazing race that was. Bathurst in any form, whether it be iRacing or whether it be real racing, is just a spectacular place. It's going to be a place that's always going to give you something. And last Wednesday night was no exception. Yeah, it was terrific, wasn't it? Bathurst is Bathurst in anything. And, and the quality of racing, it doesn't matter if it's a virtual Mount Panorama or a real one. The, the place is always completely and utterly off chops and does crazy things. So another really enjoyable round, some really competitive racing as well. And, and we were delivered a cracker. The, the final race was, it was legitimately a great motor race. Forget whether it was real or virtual. Correct. Race 10 of this E-Series was just a cracking car race. Scott McLaughlin, Shane Van Gisberg and Brody Kostecki having an absolute crack, um, battling for the win. Final corner, controversy, bump and run. Um, it just had all the hallmarks of a Bathurst 1000. And it had Neil Crompton bashing off the rev limiter in the commentary box, calling it like he would the end of the great race. So um, for me, it, it felt almost shockingly realistic that final lap. Um, and it, it, I think that was the best moment of the E-Series of mine so far. And certainly the one that, that, that felt the most realistic out of the whole thing. But great show. Loved the addition of a top 10 shootout. Thought that was terrific. Mm. Um, the TV coverage, I love the way they're continuing to innovate. And we had Nathan Prendergast, the GM of media, 
um, and content from supercars on a couple of weeks ago. And he talked about the fact that this gives them an opportunity to do different things and, and they're embracing while, while trying to make this product as realistic as they possibly can to the, the real thing. Um, they're also using the fact that it's a computer game and they can do different things. So running the chase cam on these cars, hovering just off and up and behind the rear wing to the side. Why not? You can do that. You can't do that in real life. It'd be like one of those attack drones they use that follow things really quickly and yeah. go really, really quick. They're not allowed to do that. The, the nanny state won't permit that, but you can do it in iRacing. So why not? I love that they're embracing that and, and doing all sorts of different things. Um, it was great. Craig Baird, who will be on the show next week, I think, um, is continuing to do an outstanding job in virtual race control. In this case, it's actually real world race control. Love that. Um, and Will Power called someone a wanker. Um, and it's 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 a motor race if Will just, Power's in just it. Someone. He drops the W bomb. Not just well, someone. Called Shane Van Gisbergen. I loved it. <laughs> it's brilliant. I've got to say that watching them all, uh, I finally crossed the bridge between this is a computer game and I'm watching a race at that Bathurst race because I actually thought as the laps wound down, I completely forgot I was watching a, a, a virtual motor race. I, yeah, I was Rick. completely of the opinion I was watching an absolute live motor race in it, that I'd be watching if I was on track with you guys in the media centre. It was just extraordinary. And, and if it delivers that, uh, it, it's doing an extraordinary job. And, and, and Marcus mentioned, and he's quite right, that this is the sport of everything that, that, that is available in the world that has embraced this technology the best and actually delivers the best product. Very yeah. hard to do football, very hard to do cricket. It's all a bit silly. But yeah. motor racing lends itself to this platform brilliantly. Really. And I agree that that Bathurst thing last week was extraordinary. Boys, we, we've talked about how this is trying to relate to the real world. And supercars have made no bones about the fact that um, they're using this now as a way to test formats, to, to their race formats for, for yeah. what's going to be a very not compromised, compromised is the wrong word, but potentially compromised, but a very different supercar season this year with different events, different tracks, just by necessity. Um, I, I want a Bathurst sprint round back. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a hundred percent on board for a sprint round at Mount Panorama. I have no dramas with that. I think it'd be terrific. Why not? Amazing. Now, whether it's at the, I, I, my heart says no to that being at the 12 hour and, and I would, I would rather they find a way to get the full championship in or as much of it in 2020 without crossing over and the logistics. And we've covered this in the show before running at the 12 hour are difficult, but I think what last week proved was that it, like we've said, it doesn't matter what the race is at Mount Panorama. It's good racing. So I think a supercar sprint round there would be terrific. There, there are a few, dramas to get around with that because there's only a certain amount of events that can be run at mount panorama throughout the year which is five the the bathurst international is that fifth event having said that i did find a loophole boys i was looking into that the six hour was cancelled this year and has been moved uh. into that bathurst international event so there will only be if you include the Four. 12 hour 1000 yeah. challenge bathurst late in the year in bathurst international with the tcr and now the six hour, there'll only be four closures. So maybe, maybe there's a deal to be done with the New South Wales government to go back in December, perhaps, and run a two-day sprint event at Mount Panorama as the championship decider. That would be bonkers. You'd pay cash money to go to that. That'd be great. Just I'm, th- I'm also a big fan of sprint racing, but history says that you're going to have to give them a very high-deg tyre which is a problem at Bathurst because they tend on a t- full tank run to run on a freight train. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and that's one of the issues that, that, uh, that, that they've got to try and overcome. Because I actually think sprint racing can and should be part of our future. I totally agree with that. Because if you look back yeah. at when we used to go sprint racing, there were some outstanding races, but it got to the point where they were just, they were, you know, 30, 40, whatever it happened to be lap races, run the fuel tank to zero, everyone's on the same tyre, everyone's on the same tyre dig, and they were boring races. I agree with that. And so give them a soft tyre and then make it softer. The other thing I would... Yeah, yeah, the other thing I would like to do for one of the races, no pit stops, but run it 25 laps. Because we've seen the last couple of years, the way these cars are burning fuel now, a, a, a window 
on fuel in the 1000 is 22 to 24 laps, maybe 25, 26 if you get some safety car. So I would love to see them run a race where there's a question mark of whether they can get home on a tank of fuel. So that first bit will be a bit of conserving, bit of rolling around. You might get some guys go absolutely flat out and hope for a safety car, but then at the end risk running out of fuel. Or you might just all run around and then it will build and build and build. And when they get a safe fuel number to get home, they'll go real hard and carve each other up. But it would give that almost Bathurst 1000 feel to a sprint race. And it would go for a 45, 50 minutes, if not a little bit more. I think that'd be a cool window. So maybe you do a 10 lap dash on a super duper soft tire and then you do a 25 lap to round it out. Imagine that as a championship decider. Uh, that'd be mm. properly dramatic. Day of motor. Yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Just on the 12 hour, Richard, you mentioned that if one of the races, and obviously it's still a long way away, but if one of the races is sort of up in the air at the moment, it possibly could be the 12 hour due to the amount of international involvement that happens with that. Is there a possibility that now that supercars do, of course, run that weekend, that that could, if the 12 hour didn't happen, that could become a supercar weekend? Ah, uh, I mean, nothing at this point's off the table, is it? But Look, I, I, the, I don't think they'll make a call on 12-hour until the last minute, November, December, yeah. even, even that late. Because you could run it Shebex locally. Like, there's enough GT cars in Australia. And we, we've covered off the fact that Aussie GT is yeah. not healthy at the moment. But people will come out for Bathurst. Of course they will. So if, even if you can't get cars and drivers from overseas into the country, I, I think there's still enough here that Audi could still field their Melbourne Performance Centre team. The McLarens are here. Um, there's a couple of Porsches in the country, so Porsche could do their thing. I, I still think there's enough. And and look, it, it's it's so all hypothetical at yeah. the moment. And and I, I don't think the time is right to, to speculate about that. Um, could they use it as a supercar weekend? They could. It's they own it. it it's their weekend. Um so if the 12 hour is deemed at some point unviable, then sure, maybe you could. But I, I don't think that'll be the case. And I think there's a way you can get a 12 hour away, even if the borders are firmly shut. Um, but even if they aren't, there, there's ways and means around it to get, certainly you can still bring cars in. That won't be a problem. Um, getting drivers and teams might be a challenge, but hey, if they have to quarantine for a couple of weeks before it, then maybe that's a way around it. So I don't think that's out of the question, mate. I, I think it's too early to, to talk 12-hour yet. But um, yep. there would be, in my opinion, purely as someone who's called all of those races, there would be a way you could get away with running it domestically for a year if you had to. Um, we'll uh, wait and see what happens there. We've uh, had some announcements, haven't we, boys? We're still waiting on the supercar calendar to be announced, but there's been a couple of uh, calendars released worldwide f1 calendar has been released and also the uh, british touring car championship also dale has come out yeah there's, there's two i mean everything's tentative of course so just on the f1 point tony there um, there's a lot of lot of equity at the moment in beginning this championship uh for f1 at the um red bull ring in austria um it's a track that can be brought up to to spec very quickly it could be a a team only event and they can fly the required team members uh, very close to the uh, to the track and accommodate them. So, if there was a starting point, now that the French Grand Prix has officially been cancelled, um, that could well be it. And I think that's really the the, the 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 hope would be that that would be. Christian Horner has said that he thinks it's quite able to be done, uh, and then that would run a number of events out. And the BTCC announced uh, yesterday. A uh, really interesting calendar. Um, uh, those of you who have ever been to England late in the year, and I used to travel there in January, so I, I know what it's like in January. However, racing uh, towards the end of the year at Croft in October and Brands Hatch in November would be uh, a little bit akin of ice racing. I think it'll be extraordinary if they get it away. But good on the boys for having a cracker. They've, they've put a calendar out. They believe they can do it. A lot of, lot of things to happen, obviously, with the British government and uh, uh, all the health things there. But... They also have condensed their calendar uh, and they're going to try and get it away and finish it in November. So uh, everyone's now starting to release uh, what they think they can do subject to uh, the government requirements. 
Just on the F1 calendar, Dale, uh, the understanding that I have is that there's a stipulation in the regs that states that they must race uh, on three different continents, a certain amount of races on three different continents. Is that something that they may have to look at changing or is that going to happen? They've got to deliver 12 races to make it an official F1 championship. So that's the first thing. So they have to get 12 away. Uh, they are looking at, at, at a three-drop. They're looking at Europe, uh, the Americas, and the Middle East, uh, and that would be feasible under the calendar that they've, they've tentatively put out. Uh, I think the FIA would certainly uh, be that, that if, if it, to change the 12 race rule would be the big hurdle, mm. uh, and uh, obviously the teams have to be fielded. They've got to have 12 cars as well. But, I mean, you'd have the teams would be on board, but the 12 race thing is the difficult one. Um, yeah, and, and they're confident that they've got a calendar that can work, again, subject to whether the governments will let them travel. See, this, this for me, that the whole three-continent thing, and yes, it's a world championship, and yes, it's supposed to go all over the world, but these are e- extreme circumstances. For the sake of the sport, if, if it came down to the fact that they ran 12 Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring in Austria, for the sake of getting a season in... That's what you do. Ensuring the viability of the teams and the sport in general. Surely, if you're the FIA, you go. That's fine. Doesn't matter. We'll still call you the world champion. Of it's, course you, you do. Travel to Australia. Sure, you didn't run, but you know, whatever. I, I just the inflexibility of the FIA in particular baffles me at times. And and in situations like this, um, those ridiculous regulations they're there for a purpose, and I get that. And there's something that needs to define what a world championship is because otherwise we'd have the supercars world championship running in Australia and New Zealand, which is an idea. Um, copyright, I 2020. Um, but yeah, look, extreme circumstances. Surely you can run a veto through it for a year and go, look. I think, I think Rich, it'll be, it'll be the 12 race thing. That's, the, the stipulation will be, it'll be a number of races that have to be run. I think if you did four or five, I don't think there's credibility in it. No, I, I agree think, with I you. Think, I think 12's right. And again, I I think there is concession in that. I don't think there's concession in the 12 races. No, I agree with that. No, 100%. And and supercars are much the same. They need to get a certain amount of races away to make it qualify, but also for their TV contracts as well. And Formula One will be exactly the same. Exactly the same, yeah. Is that people aren't going to pay money, huge amounts of cash for these TV rights unless they do a certain amount of races. But yeah, the, the whole we've got to travel around the world thing. Like, yeah, you could run it at Austria. Absolutely. But... They're talking about running round two at Silverstone, but the UK hasn't even peaked. They're, they're not on top of the curve yet. They're in yeah. real strife. There, there's no chance of them going to the States, and Asia's still a bit of a mess as well. Yeah, no, no, remember, it's UAE would be, they would get a couple of races. Well, well, possibly, yeah. Potentially, yeah. no one goes to them anyway. But um, potentially, I mean, the, the irony in all of this is that by October, you might be able to go to China. That might well, be. And you, you know, you did right because they were the first country. They, they might be the first place. Possibly. Yeah. Well, like, ten, ten rounds at Shanghai. Yeah. Well, it's not a bad track for <laughs> actually. But no, look, it, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I just hope there's enough yeah, flexibility to get it away. And, and um, I'm sure that, uh, guys, when we come to talk about this in a week or so time, there'll be a different spin on it. So yeah. I think the important thing is that the, the major codes around the world are starting to put calendars on the ground that they hope they can they can facilitate. That's a good sign. And just, just one more. On the BTCC thing you touched on, uh, and our audience listening through the Radio Show Limited network of channels, RadioLeMans.com, um, G'day, Heine and the team. They're talking about running the season finale at Brands Hatch in freaking November. Yep. <laughs> Get the snowplows out in the BMWs. Yep. Crazy. Well, Get, the, uh, the, three, the three o'clock feature race will be in the dark. It'll be pitch black, won't it? <laughs> well, they want variety in motor racing, so it's like the Andros Ice Racing Championships. Yeah, yeah right. extraordinary. extraordinary. We should also mention too, which we haven't yet, that uh, Alexander Rossi is also uh, a starter for these races uh, for round four of the uh, the E series for supercars, which is a another good get. Well, and Joey Logano. Yeah, Joey Logano. Yes. yeah, yeah. Bring the the big Penske guns are coming in uh, in these uh, these races, which are terrific. Uh, and this again, it, it's fantastic, and this is all great. Um, and well, there's huge benefit for the sport out of it. So uh, I like I like that from an E-Series point of view. So very cool liveries, Richard. They're running Joey Logano's car and the Ford Mustang uh, livery yep. that uh, was obviously the launch car here. Marcus's car, obviously, in the beautiful Pertec livery. And um, 
the Napa parts with uh, Rossi, which I'm sure that Fabian Coulthard will have nightmares about when he sees that car on the track. <laughs> and I, uh, I tell you what, Todd Hazelwood's car looks great too. With fantastic, the boot, yeah. With the yeah, it's nice to see Brad Jones Racing uh, continuing their theme virtually or in the real world of having a different livery on all of their cars at every different round. Yep. Well done, Kim and Brad. It certainly is. Uh, who wins this weekend, boys? Or this weekend, uh, tomorrow night, I should say, or Wednesday night, Australian top? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. It's impossible to predict. Like, but Scott McLaughlin's been awesome. Um, and we say that a lot, but he's just as good virtually as he is in the real world. And he's getting a lot of practice at the moment as well. Um, I, I just want to see Marcus in a race. I want to see him at the front, get yeah. the elbows out and have a crack. I think he'd be a, it'd be cool fun to see. So the best four driver of the two thousands going head to head with the best four driver of the 2010s in McLaughlin. And that's based entirely on 2018, 19. Um, I think that would be a, an amazing story. That would just be so cool to see that kind of a fight. So, uh, so why not, Dale? Two reverse grid races, you might see him on pole. Who knows? The uh, interesting thing. So they've been running the qualifying show live on Fox before the main race broadcast starts, and our buddy Chad Nalon's doing a terrific job of that. So there's only two qualifying sessions at 15 minutes apiece, but they've got an hour to fill. So for this round, they're giving them a 10-minute expression session <laughs> where they can do whatever they want. So they'll be drifting and they'll be reverse tracking and Fabian Coulthard showed his short track over the chase gravel trap last Brilliant. week, the yeah. shortcut. But I, I thought the expression session was just turn one, lap one of every, every race. race. Yeah. Uh, yes, you're right. As Rick Kelly will attest. But Alex anyway, Davison. Yeah, absolutely. I like that they're... Um, I like that they're experimenting. I like a bit of the bit of yeah, variety fun. is great. Good fun. Know. Entertainment. We're in the entertainment business, boys. Correct. And we should also mention too, Richard, that uh, E-Series racing is uh, now also a real thing for the Porsche Pace Carrera Cup Australia Series with uh, their drivers in the Michelin Virtual Cup schedule uh, starting at Phillip Island next Monday. Yes, it is. So Monday night. And, and what I like about this is they're not going to show it live, so which is fine. Um, it's competitor geared, but the races will still be packaged up and, and rebroadcast down the week. So it's like real motorsport post-produced TV, um, which is cool, it, but it's going to be great. So the best from Porsche Pace Carrera Cup and Michelin Sprint Challenge will be in that. Um, the timing will work well. We'll be able to get the winner on and have a chat next week. Um, and then we'll be able to watch the racing Friday night, Australian time, Friday morning, UK time for those listening internationally. Um, and you'll be able to check all that out. So that'll be great fun. Um, that's just another E-Series option. I don't have time to watch it all, boys. It's a good problem to have. Did, did you see the virtual um, the virtual Nürburgring 24-hour on the weekend? No, really? 24-hour. On the full Nordschleife. Amazing. Yeah, and the guy, so what, the guys just swap drivers? They just go from one system to another? Yep. I, yeah. Wow. That's very weird. Very yep. cool. Hey, Great. boys, well done. Another great show. Thank you so much. Uh, we're heading off crazy, but we're going to leave you uh, to wrap it up for us. And uh, last week you had a chat to a couple of the supercar drivers. Yeah, so every week we're running a show on the racetalk.com called NTI Inside the E-Series, so powered by our great friends at National Transport Insurance who sponsored this show. And uh, through their support of Walkinshaw Andretti United, uh, the good Chaz Mostert and Bryce Forward were excellent enough to jump on and have a chat. So we caught up, talked all things E-Series and how they're liking it. There's some good banter, very enjoyable with the two boys. So uh, we've got that coming up for you next um, and that continues on. And you can check out all the episodes of that on the racetalk.com's social media, our website and our YouTube channel at The Race Talk as well. Thanks to our great mates at NTI and their brands, Truck Assist and Yellow Cover. What might have been a virtual Mount Panorama, but gee, all the action was just the same as if it was the real world super cheap auto Bathurst 1000. Hi everybody, welcome to episode three of NTI's Inside the E-Series. A couple of superstar drivers joining us today. Thanks to Truck Assist sponsorship of Walkinshaw Andretti United. We're joined by the Mobile One Appliances online driver, Chaz Mostert. G'day, Chaz. Hey, guys. How are you going? 
Mate, I'm well. Thanks for jumping on the call. Really appreciate it. And also is your teammate with us tonight, the Mobile One Minis racing driver, Bryce Forward. G'day, Bryce. How you going? Excellent, mate. Hey, boys. Mount Panorama, real life, virtual world. It's completely and utterly insane, isn't it? What a crazy night, Bryce. Just give us your quick take on racing at Mount Panorama in a virtual world. Yeah, look, obviously uh, extremely different to what we're normally used to. You know, obviously a lot of us are so acclimatised to obviously driving our real race cars around Mount Panorama and, you know, what an awesome circuit it is. But, you know, obviously with everything going on at the moment, the E-Series is, you know, what we've turned to. And, um, you know, for me, it was a, a crazy night. You know, I was sort of unsure if I was going to make it into the top 10 shootout and I managed to pull all that together to do that. And then once I got into the shootout, I made a mistake and touched the fence and uh, ultimately started 10th, which, you know, I wasn't that unhappy with because I wasn't sure if I was going to get into the 10 to start with. So... But, uh, yeah, my night was pretty up and down. You know, I made some mistakes and got caught up in a lot of other people's mistakes as well. But um, that's just the way it is. And it seems pretty hard to try and sort of do a race without, without any uh, big chance. Chaz, on that, have you been fenced by someone every single race so far this season? <laughs> it hasn't, uh, it hasn't gone well for me. I think uh, if we awarded, awarded points for qualifying, I think we'd be probably up around the top five, I reckon. But, um, yeah, the last two, two rounds have been... Um, a bit of a hard one. I generally go right in the first race. Um, I think we got fifth last night, even though we did get turned at the, at the chase on the first race. Um, second race, completely my fault. Um, actually, was uh, probably on for about P8 from a reverse grid race. And I just um, pushed the limiter a little bit too soon on the, the pit exit, about two metres, and it, it pinned me for speeding. So that's why I started back for the last race. And the last race, I um, yeah tried staying out of trouble, made some positions, and then we, uh, the strategy was just to, to pit early, get the pit stops over and done with to try and find some clear track and got myself into an awesome battle with Anton. We were respecting each other and giving each other heaps of room. And then, um, yeah, we had a, a willpower sandwich go on into turn <laughs> one. And, um, yeah, that it pretty much ended, ended our, our night, me and Anton. So, uh, yeah, look, it's just, uh, it's hard. You can understand from um, the racer's point of view is you're so used to having a 360 view around you of what's going on where in the sim world, you know, you're just looking at a screen. So you can't really completely blame someone for taking you out. It's hard enough to, to wrestle those cars around in the virtual world. Um, but it's, uh, it always, it's always upsetting when you get taken out. But you look, they're, they're just hard enough to drive as it is. So uh, mistakes happen and you can understand how you end up off in the weeds. Um, top 10 shootout, Bryce, you touched on it. But it's a pretty special thing to do one lap on your own at that place in real world, let alone do it virtually is it is it still cool is it still cool to attack the place in a qualifier like that the whole racetrack to yourself no traffic no worries about being fenced by willpower just go out there and attack the place yeah look obviously i think supercars do an awesome job with this e-series and you know they sort of make it feel pretty real um you know as real as it can um you know so i was i was nervous going to the top 10 shootout and ultimately made a mistake which you know, first top 10 shootout for me, but, uh, you know, not ideal for me, but it was really cool to be a part of and something, as I said, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get into it or not. And that was my goal. So, um, yeah, really cool opportunity. And, um, yeah, I, I look forward to hopefully doing that and real racing soon. So on that mistake, you were pinged for brushing the fence. So in a virtual world, you lost your lap. In real world, would that have been a massive crash or would you have got away with it? No, it would have been pretty decent. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I wouldn't have... Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have. Uh, I mean, in the virtual world, you know, sometimes you can. I understand why they take the lap off you when you do hit the fence, because sometimes you can hit the fence pretty hard and bounce off and keep going. Whereas, in obviously, in the real world, that doesn't happen. So, you know, I I didn't um, have a monumental, but it would have been big enough to put me out of the put me out of doing any kind of reasonable lap. That's for sure. Chaz, what about the racing? There's so many variables going on, and it seems like the opening laps are hang on hope you get out the other side, get some virtual tyre temp, and then things start to settle down a bit. But are they as wild in real life as they look like when we're sitting back watching on TV or on, on the internet? I guess the biggest thing is, you know, in, um, in real world, if you have a small moment in the car, you, you catch it up or you've got that feedback around you. Um, you know, it sounds silly, but a lot of race car drivers feel their cars through their bottom. But, you know, when the car's sliding, you know that to correct it, instantly and, and drive a car around where the virtual world is you're completely relying on the feedback your eyes are telling you but then tell your body to okay counter steer now or, or things like that so when you have a moment um in the virtual world and you're not 
got your, your senses all around it, the smallest moment on the game will end up into the biggest consequence, you know, probably like what Bryce had in the top 10, you know, in the real world, if you're having that small moment, you'd correct it. And you might've lost a 10th or two, but you'll, you'll get away with it. But in the virtual world, you'll scrape the fence big time. And the, then the steering's left hand down and you see the bonnet popped and you go, okay, I don't think uh, it's going to finish that quite well now, but it's, um, it's a good challenge. You can see guys like say Brody Kostecki, Anton that has, has been doing it for a while. I mean, their, their senses through, like, say, their eyes, feedback to their body and tell them what the sim's doing is, is really impressive to watch. So uh, we could only dream of having those, uh, those couple of years of experience and, and try and catch those guys. But um, we're definitely on the back foot with this series. But it's always fun to go out and, you know, go into these top 10 shootouts. And, and last night was actually really cool from even a driver being in it to probably watching as a punter back at home. I think there was... Uh, other than the the front three guys, which were all a league of their own, I think the top ten shootout for pretty much everyone else, other than Paul Bryce's lap that didn't count, we were all just a bit over a tenth separated, which is uh, something crazy. So when I did my lap, I was on the right end of the two hundred two seven, and the other guys were just at the back side of the two hundred two seven. But it was a uh, it was awesome to see how close all of us were. So it was uh, pretty exciting to be a part of that. It was interesting, Chaz, to see the pace last night. It was interesting that it was almost like you guys were running a soft tyre. Now, you would have got into the twos in a GT3 car there, I would imagine. Pole was in the ones, though, virtually last night in a supercar. Can you imagine doing ones around that joint in your walk and tour under United Commodore? <laughs> it would be, it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty uh, commitment, I could tell you that much. Obviously, you commit a bit harder in the sim because um, you can, because the consequences aren't the quite as bad. Still. But also, you know, I think you've got to give props to iRacing. They've done a pretty good model. I mean, 201s in those sessions last night is, I reckon, would be relevant to what the, the weather settings were. You know, we're running in the coldest weather settings you can. We're also running in um, the humidity as low as possible and the track usage as grippy as it can go. So if you had those variables in the real world, I wouldn't be surprised if you get those times down, but in the real world, you're never going to have those three things in perfect conditions, you know? So um, saying that, I think they've, they've nailed it pretty, pretty close. Bryce, uh, Chaz just touched on the feedback that you get. You're unique among the field in that you're using a VR headset to go racing. Do you feel like that gives you an advantage? Uh, I think yes and no. I think, um, you know, there's, there's probably certain aspects of it that, help me a little bit and there's certain aspects of it that probably hinder me a little bit so I've actually just tried for the Bathurst round actually just tried to migrate towards the screen um, you know for a couple of reasons obviously um, you know obviously on the telecast we obviously all have webcams and you can see what we're all doing and you know when I have a VR, VR set of goggles on you can't see my facial expressions of when I'm blowing up and when I'm when I'm holding my tongue to the left and all that kind of stuff so I moved across to the screen for Bathurst which Probably hurt me a little bit initially for the first round. You know, my, was, I sort of had to relearn everything. You know, there's a certain aspect of like what Rich has was explaining before. You rely on your eyes so much that, you know, there's a certain um, there's a certain part of it where you're sort of judging how fast you're going into the corner by your eyes and you're judging the speed. But when I went to a screen, all that was different. And, you know, I found myself actually overslowing the car way too much. So I had to learn really fast um, and still think that, I've certainly got a fair ways to go. I mean, how do I started with the screen to start with? I think that'd be a different story, but that's okay. That's what it is. And we'll press on. Boys, one of the best things of this E-Series so far is that as viewers, we've had an opportunity to see a different side to you guys away from the pressure of a racetrack. The banter has been first class, especially those that have been watching from various Twitch channels or Facebook or whatever it might be. Uh, are, you, are you enjoying this opportunity just to show a different side to yourselves, Chaz, than you might ordinarily get when you're in that real high-intensity world of being at a racetrack as a, as a professional driver? It's a different outlet, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's kind of a bit, bit tricky. Though. I mean, it, for me, I feel like this is more intense than what we normally do. Um, really? Not because of the actual um, the racing side of things. I just guess the, 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 the what's happening around us in the world, you know I mean? Um, it's pretty, you know, we have a pretty unique series when, we, when we're normally racing. We've got four days of on-track um, activities. We've um, obviously got great broadcasting uh, rights and sponsors and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll get a good, good mention, but we're all kind of cooped into a, a two-hour show now once a week. And, and that's, uh, that feels like a lot of high pressure for drivers to try and perform in this series to, 
to make sure we're giving our corporate sponsors as much as we can. Um, you know, while we're sitting in this bit of a no man's land period at the moment with the what's happening outside. So um, I feel there's a lot more pressure than what it would be normal week stuff for us. So um, yeah, that's it. Putting the, putting the hours in on the sim, trying to to make sure that we're being competitive and, and fast. Um, it's uh, it's more than what we would probably normally do, to be honest, in actual a driving side. So it's uh, it's a bit out there. Uh, coming up next couple of weeks, one of the great things about this series, boys, is that we get to go take supercars to some different tracks, which is cool. So Watkins Glen and Montreal, a bit of a North American swing. Bryce, cool to check out some different racetracks and how perhaps a supercar would go there. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, it's pretty cool that we're able to do this. And obviously, the platform of iRacing does allow us to, to do this. And, you know, obviously, some of the tracks that we've kind of have raced on over this E-Series is tracks that you're ne- most likely never going to see a supercar on. So, And certainly for me, they're probably tracks that I'm never going to get to race at. So for me, it's actually really cool. And I struggle a little bit because most of the time, I don't even know where the circuits go. And it takes me a day <laughs> to work out which way the corners go. Like when I raced at Silverstone far out, it took me a whole day. You know, I realised that there was actually two pit lanes in there and I thought I'd done a lap, but I'd only done half a lap. So it took me a while to get better around. But uh, yeah, look, obviously really, really cool that we can do that. Um, and so, yeah, and, and it's obviously creates a completely different perspective for everyone sitting at home watching. Chaz, what about you? Have you enjoyed checking out some other circuits, which you've been fortunate enough to do as well in your, your real world career with your GT3 racing? Um, yeah, for sure. It's uh, some tracks I've never been on, a couple of tracks that I have been on. So it's... Um, it's pretty unique to take a supercar there. That's, that's probably the biggest thing is um, you go to these Formula One style circuits and it, it's, um, I don't know, you can't, a supercar's favorite corner is something that you can break all the way to the apex, stop it, rotate it 180 degrees, and then just drive it dead straight off where you've got all these sweeping Formula One corners and it's, uh, it's quite tricky in a supercar. So um, for me, it's, uh, it's very unique. It's very challenging. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty cool just to, for me to go learn new circuits each week on the ones I haven't been able to do. And, and then, um, you know, it's good. We've been working pretty hard with me, mate Bryce here too. We, we get into a session together and he'll find he'll be really quick at this sector and I'll be quick at that one. Nothing like a bit, bit like the real world. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of challenge. And um, at this thing, it's like Bryce said, it's pretty cool to, to showcase, um, say, a supercar at these different style of tracks that we would never have the opportunity to go to. Well, just on that working together, boys, and feel free to jump in here, Bryce, as well. Um, we had the Matt Stone Racing guys on the show last week, and they talked about how the three of those guys get together and they talk about what they're doing and work out how they're all going to improve. Are you two doing the same thing? And I know your engineers from the WAU squad involved in this as well during the broadcasts. Yeah, well, we've actually got, um, you know, some close friends of ours at Modem Simulators and you know, um, Simon Fiegel, especially, um, you know, who, who works for Motor Simulators, he's obviously been in the sim game for a really long time and has some close mates of his that are also really successful sim racers. So they're basically our engineers, if you like, in this series. So we've got a bit of a WhatsApp group that we've set up between Chaz and myself and, and Simon and Sam, who is basically Chaz's engineer. And um, so we all sort of, if we're about to jump on the simulator, we all sort of organise the time and go, right, oh, I'm jumping on and we've all got a discord that we jump into so we can all kind of talk while we're driving around and um, both Simon and Sam have been absolutely instrumental in helping you know Chaz and I um, you know it takes us a day or two to even get halfway you know, half halfway to where we need to be whereas those guys jump on and do a lap and five minutes they're faster than we can ever go so uh, you know those guys have been you know helping us heap but then obviously Chaz and I we talk a lot while we're driving around as well and you know, even little things like, oh, what gear are you here? Or what gear are you there? Or are you struggling here? Or what line do you take there? And, you know, Chaz has helped me out heaps. And as you say, sometimes there's a sector where I'm quicker and sometimes there's a sector where he's quicker. But, you know, ultimately together, we, you know, our goal is to succeed together, basically. Like it. Like it a lot. Uh, last one, Chaz. Uh, wild cards have been a big story of the E-Series so far. We had Max Verstappen last week. Will Power jumped in. Alex Rossi, your teammate from the Andretti Autosport side in the States, is coming to play when we do this North American swing next week. But you're getting some wild card action as well in an open wheeler. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I'm going to do the the next IndyCar race at Cotter. So um, it's a track that I've been to. Obviously, never in an IndyCar. I've never driven an IndyCar before. So that's going to be a, a bit left field for me. Um, but know the track. So I'm pretty excited to, to drive another track I know. And 
hopefully that can just help me get up to speed a little bit in uh, in a completely different car. So planning on doing a few test test laps um, before the race on Sunday. Um, it kicks off at 4.40 a.m. I don't think I've been up before <laughs> nine, 9 o'clock in the last three weeks. So uh, uh, it could probably hinder my performance a little bit. But, um, yeah, look, just it's pretty cool, like, to, to see different um, series around the world, you know, different drivers from those series is jumping into something that they normally wouldn't want to drive, you know. Having Max Verstappen in, in one of our races, you know, Will, Will Power, guys like that. Uh, I guess that's the thing in our in our E series. We're so concentrated on um, our supercars that the wild card guys come in for a bit of fun, um, and we get tangled with them a little bit. So um, <laughs> we're obviously pretty excited with WAU that we're getting some of our own big guns coming in in the future races because I think uh, me and Bryce need a bit of backup out there, and um, because we've been on the wrong end of the sticker in the last couple of rounds. So uh, we're calling in some international favours, and I'm sure. Uh, we're going to hopefully get a bit of help in the next couple of rounds. I like it. IndyCar race might be a chance to square up with power for last night. Boys, thank you very much for jumping on the call. Really appreciate it. Best of luck for the remainder of the E-Series. And more importantly, really look forward to catching up when we're back at a real racetrack, hopefully in not too long a time. Thanks for joining us, boys. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. No worries. Thank you. And thank you, Chas Mostert, Bryce Forward and Richard Crail for finishing off the show for us. What a big show it was too. Include Marcus Ambrose into that. It was an absolute ripper. We'll catch you again next week right here on The Grid.